Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and it is a joy to be with you. Thank you for joining us online, and uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, those of you who are present, um, I don't know about you, but uh, as we think about joy this morning, nothing helps feeling a little joy than when the sun comes out, when it's been like a little rainy and hail and storms at night. It's just a good Good thing. So thank you for joining us. If you're watching online, we just want to make sure you're able to have the best experience possible. And that's on our uh, online platform, which you can find at www.onelifeseattle.org forward slash live. And the reason we recommend that is it's really the place you're going to find our live chat line, our Bible and live prayer app, um, important links and resources, our note section. It's, it's designed by us to help you connect and feel like you're involved in the community, and that's what really we want everyone to feel. So however you choose to join us online, um, we're just thankful that you could be with us. Those of you here, it's so great to see your faces. It's so, well, at least part of your faces. And uh, it's fantastic to hear your voices. I cannot wait till we can all be back together and pack this place out and, and worship Jesus together. So today we're diving into week three of our Advent sermon series that we've entitled Unexpected Advent. And uh, if you remember, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus. Let me hear you say Adventus. And there you go. So you got it. Um, it means arrival, coming, entrance, or appearance, particularly of something of great importance, which is exactly what this season in our series is about. It's about the advent or the arrival of God and the unexpected ways it all went down. And you see, every time we look at Jesus, what we see is that Jesus is doing the unexpected. And the story of Advent, the story of the arrival of God, has always been a story of unexpected contrast. And we've talked about this before. Hope, born into a struggling, battling world, into a barn or a stable. Supreme peace, born under the rule of Roman brutality. Joy that we're talking about, even enough to carry all of life, small enough to be carried in the crook of an arm, and ultimate love wrapped in the crude human cage of an infant's ribs. And as we've said throughout this series, we connect this idea of the unexpected with our day-to-day -day because it feels like every day there's something unexpected coming about and we're like begging for it to stop, right? Unexpected verdicts, unexpected variants, outbreaks, loss, unexpected riots and lockdowns, um, judgments, unexpected delays, you name it. And what we've seen in this series is that God is very comfortable with the unexpected, and as we look to the story of Advent and the Advent of God, we see that Jesus came in an unexpected time through unexpected people in an unexpected place, bringing God's unexpected love. And so we started this series um, looking at how although Israel knew the Messiah was going to come and they were longing for a Messiah, they were longing for a deliverer, none of it happened how they imagined or expected. And when Jesus came, it was disorienting. It was different. It shattered preconceived ideas and expectations. And we talked about how the timing of Jesus for some, the arrival felt like it took forever. Like, how long do I have to wait? And yet for others, the timing felt rushed. And then for others, we talked about the timing just felt straight up wrong. In that first week, we talked about and pondered how we experience God's timing, especially 
in the midst of God's unexpected timing in our life, which is often how it is. How do we deal with that? Then last week, Greg helped us ponder how God uses unexpected people and had us look at many examples of how people literally question God's choices. Why would you use this person? We looked at Moses and Zechariah, Abraham, Sarah, and John the Baptist, and, and he gave us particular attention to God's choice in using Mary to bear God's son, Jesus. We saw so many incredible, unexpected ways this all occurred. And in doing so, Greg had us ponder how we might be questioning God in our lives and how God may be inviting us to be used in unexpected ways for God's glory. And so today, we're going to look at the way God works and shows up in unexpected places. And so I want to start with kind of a frame for us to kind of open ourselves up to begin considering the way God shows up. So I want us to start with thinking about our brain. There's a little person there with arrows pointing in the general direction of the brain. And I want you to think about the details, the intricate stuff that goes on in our brain and how we connect. And if you could think of it as a pendulum starting in our brain and how we connect to the farthest distance you could possibly imagine. I'm trying to think of the universe, hence the picture here. And so I want you to be thinking of the span that happens between the furthest distant place you could possibly go and the most intimate, connected place you could go. And I want you to be thinking about how does God show up in these places, anywhere in between. And in doing so, I just want us to ponder, like, how does God, how have you experienced God show up in your life? Now, being its advent, it's not hard when we think about God showing up in unexpected places to kind of think about the Son of God, the Messiah showing up in a manger, and so we're probably going to talk about that. And yeah, we will a little, but that would be too expected, and that's not what the series is called. It's unexpected, so we're not going to focus so much on that, although it's a great example. Today, instead, we're going to look at the full chapter of Matthew 2, and in doing so, we're going to see three examples of ways God works in unexpected places and how it might help us see how God might be working in unexpected places in our stories. And so today, my technology just shut down, so that's unexpected. <laughs> it says it went off air. It said all kinds of good stuff, so let's just... Think about what God might be doing in this moment. What? It's back, baby, but it's not the right slide, and I'm going to get there. Today, we will see how the Magi discovered Jesus in a distant place, how Mary and Joseph journeyed with Jesus in a very difficult place, and how the people of Nazareth were interacting with Jesus in the most routine, mundane places. So that's what we're going to do today. Before we do, let me pray, and then we'll start with a reading of our first section of Scripture. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the joy it is to be in your presence and to be in community together, worshiping you and having some sunshine and, and, and recognizing your presence with us. We recognize that you are as close as our very breath, and yet we, we often don't even recognize or remember or even think about it. And so, God, as we think about how you might be showing up in the unexpected places of our life and in our stories, 
as you showed up in unexpected places as we see in scripture today. We pray that you would help us experience you in a deeper way, in a more personal way today, and that it would bring us joy. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to hear from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 to start us off. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Our first story begins with the Magi and how God sometimes shows up in very distant places. It's interesting if you look at various commentaries and studies and you look at these astrologers, the Magi, they most likely were coming from somewhere in the Arabian Peninsula like Babylon and Persia. What that means is in order to get to Jesus, they had to travel incredibly far. We're talking 700 to 1,000 miles, which would be the equivalent of us walking from, say, Seattle to Salt Lake City, Utah. That's about 700 miles. If it's closer to 1,000, depending on where you put it, it'd be like going from Seattle to Colorado, about 1,000 miles, averaging about probably 10 to 15 miles a day in crazy terrain. And it probably took them upwards to two years. I just got to go to Disneyland. And uh, as you do when you go to Disneyland, you get up very early and you walk all day. And we were averaging around 14 miles a day. Now that was in sunshine, very nice roads, paths. That was uh, anytime I needed a drink of water, I could get it, food, you name it. We're talking walking over mountains. We're talking about sands. We're talking about camels. Uh, this is not the kind of easy journey you would imagine. And is a two plus year journey. It's crazy to think about the distance they went. Now, the first thing I want us to think about that we often miss about this section of the story is very unexpected, is that God shows up to announce the arrival of the Messiah in a Gentile world. And this is really important because to the Jews, the Messiah was the savior to their people and their people only. But God shows up in a Gentile world where enemies of Israel would be. 
In other words, we already see in the scriptures that the arrival of Jesus the Messiah was not just for the Jews, but it's for everyone, which is amazing. But notice God didn't bring Jesus to the Magi. Rather, God called them to travel to get to Jesus, and that distance was incredibly far. And this is a major difference from what the Jewish shepherds experienced. For the shepherds, Jesus was nearby, basically down the street. The announcements come to them. It's basically down the road. But the Magi, Jesus was extremely far away. And so for the shepherds, we see the sky opens up, bringing down these amazing heavenly hosts, making the message of Jesus' arrival super clear. It's very powerful. It's in their faces. They're terrified. But there's no missing the message for the shepherds. But the Magi, all they got was this illuminated dot in the sky, in outer space, really far away. The shepherds had a very clear revelation. You can't miss it. But the magi, they had to interpret the revelation. They needed to read the revelation and understand what was meant by it, what was happening. We also see in this first section that the shepherds, they were interrupted. They weren't even looking out for the Messiah at the time. They were just going about their day-to-day life, watching the flocks, and then suddenly they were terrified and amazed and overwhelmed with this powerful message. The Magi, on the other hand, had been searching and scanning the heavens. They were always doing their astrological work intently focused. They weren't caught by surprise by the fact that something happened because they were looking for it. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but if it was up to me, I think I'd choose the shepherd experience over the magi experience, right? If God was going to show up and do something in our lives right now, right where we're at, we'd prefer something like the shepherds, right? We don't want to be doing anything else but our day-to-day. We don't even have to pay attention to God. We want God to just let us know if there's an important message. He's going to interrupt us and communicate super clearly. We don't even have to be paying attention because he's going to make it clear. We have no doubts. And wherever it is we want to go, where God wants to send us, it's really close by, right? That's what we want. But what if God is choosing to give us a Magi experience? What if God is choosing to give us a faint glow of communication that we can only pick up if we're intently searching and scanning and sensitive to what the Spirit is doing? What if the way God is showing up isn't blatantly clear, that we'd actually have to ponder and question and study and figure out what God's trying to communicate to us about? What if the answer comes and it's not what we want to hear, right? Behold, the Messiah has arrived, but God's not here. The Messiah's way over there, and I need you to go there. What do we do? And so we see sometimes God shows up in unexpected, distant places. And so with that, how might God be inviting you to intently search, to scan, to discern, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know about you, but that was a really important question for me this week. Am I 
attentively looking, listening, pondering. You see, so often we're saying, God, I'm here. I'm ready for you to show up, right? Tell me what I need to do. But sometimes God says, I need you to come to me. And it's going to be a journey. You might not like it, but I need you to come. How do you respond? And so you see, sometimes God shows up in the unexpected distant places, but we also see that God shows up in the unexpected difficult places. And we see this in the next section of our story. It's a story of, Matthew, of Mary and Joseph and their escape to Egypt. And this comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Here we see the story of Herod wanting to kill Jesus, which forces Mary and Joseph to flee. And if you remember our first series, this is nothing like they wanted to do. Rushed, felt flat out wrong. And it should remind us how these two, Mary and Joseph, were refugees, much like we see people fleeing from their home to come to the U.S. still to this day. That's Mary and Joseph. There was a threat to them of violence and genocide. It's a very difficult place for these two to be in, and they were scared for their lives, fleeing the threat of death and the loss of their son. But how often do we stop to realize that God was with them in all of this? I don't know about you, but I usually picture the story of Mary and Joseph being the ones that are with Jesus, who's probably around two years old. Jesus is the vulnerable child, and I usually see it as Jesus being the one that needs protection and care, which I'm sure is very much true, but do we ever stop to think about the fact that in the midst of this crazy, difficult situation, that Jesus was present with Mary and Joseph? When we think of a two-year-old, we think of a word that we put before it, the terrible twos. What was Jesus like as a two-year-old and traveling like that, right? How many times did I picture the story of a terrified Mary and Joseph fleeing, but what if Jesus, the Son of God, was actually bringing something to the table to them as a toddler? How unexpected would that be? God showing up in the presence of a two-year-old. What was the gift the vulnerable Jesus gave Mary and Joseph as they were fleeing for their lives? In the midst of their most difficult place, God unexpectedly shows up in the form of a child, bringing God's presence, bringing God's essence, 
bringing God's humanity as well as God's divinity in the form of a child. It's really an echo of how God can use us in our most weakest places and where we may feel as if we have nothing to offer. God is with us in the most difficult times of our lives, but maybe we just don't recognize him. You see, when life is raging and full of turmoil, we want the assurance that God has not abandoned us. And so in those times, we're longing for adult Jesus, the capable Jesus, the powerful Jesus. We're longing for the Jesus that's asleep in the boat, and all we have to do is shake him, wake him up, and say, there's a storm, can you calm it? And Jesus calms the storm. But what if in the painful, fearful, dark moments of our lives, in the difficult places, we discover Jesus there, but it's in a more fragile, vulnerable Jesus? It's not Jesus the problem-solving guy, but it's Jesus embodied in someone else or something different than seemingly we want. It doesn't feel like they have something to offer. It doesn't feel productive or output-oriented or talented or skilled according to how we might see it. It's not someone who has the resources to fix our problem or remove our pain. Maybe it's just showing up in the difficult place, the unexpected way, simply bringing presence, simply bringing humanity and divinity. And so with that, the question I have is, how might God be challenging you in the way you long for God's presence in your life? What are the difficult things you're going through these days? And how might God be showing up in ways you hadn't thought of? Maybe a person you didn't think of. See, we don't always think about how God might show up in an unexpected way. We have a picture of how we think it should happen, what will work best for us. And God says, no, I have something different for you. Now, not only did the Magi experience Jesus in a distant place, and not only did Mary and Joseph experience Jesus in this incredibly difficult situation, but we also see God showing up in the mundane, the daily, the, the, the routine places. And we see this in the last section of Matthew, Matthew 2, 19 through 23, where the people of Nazareth were interacting with Jesus in their day-to-day you see, after being in Egypt for some time, we don't know exactly how much time, but Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and family, they returned back to Israel. The scriptures tell us that they settled down and built their life in Nazareth. And this is where Jesus was raised. Let's look at this in Matthew 2, 19 through 23. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archel—sorry, exactly. <laughs> Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, we don't have a lot of info in terms of what happened during these years of Jesus' life. We know he went to the temple in Jerusalem at 12 years old, and we have a story about what happened there. 
But we don't really know anything about his life between age 2 and 12. And we really don't know what happened from age 12 till he started his ministry in his 30s. These times are often referred to in studies as, as the unknown years of Jesus. And so we can only imagine what growing up in everyday life was like during this time. But I would imagine that Jesus was there in the town, in the village, encountering people on a daily basis in the mundane, in the routine aspects of daily life. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, the Savior of the world, going to the market with his parents, playing with other kids, developing and learning how to be a carpenter, going through Jewish education what you would imagine anyone doing in their day-to-day. And we learn in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, that Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath while growing up in that town, Nazareth. But right after Jesus went through the wilderness experience where he's tempted for 40 days by the devil, preparing him for ministry, he returns to that very synagogue he grew up going to every Sabbath. And during that time, he ends up declaring himself as the Messiah. I wonder how often we recognize Jesus in the predictable, everyday, routine, mundane places in our life. Jesus was there, fully present, in Nazareth. And I wonder if the townspeople had any idea who was right under their noses. And I'm guessing no, based on what happened in Luke 4. Because after Jesus returns, goes to the synagogue, points to himself as the Messiah, how did they respond? They said, isn't this Joseph's kid? Right? They knew who he was. This is Joseph's kid. It goes on to say that people got so mad that they marched him to the edge of town, preparing to throw him off a cliff to die. And to be clear, I'm not judging or shaming these people thinking they should have known. Rather, I'm empathizing with them because I think the story shows us how often we all miss Jesus in our day-to-day routine of life. I think this story shows us how we tend to all be like the people of Nazareth. Jesus could be around us. Jesus could be with us in the midst of our most trivial tasks, and we're not even aware of it. I mean... If you think about it, take the people we have around us all the time, friends, family, you name it, we take them for granted all the time, right? How often do we go our day without even recognizing the presence of God? And so I wonder how often we miss God working in, around, and through the everyday people around us, be it our family, our friends, the people we work with, our neighbors, those people we've known the longest and those people who we knew when they were kids and they're now grown up. I was reflecting the other day, uh, when I first started working here, my daughter was only three months old and she's gonna be 16 in June. My son wasn't even born yet and he's 14. Uh, And I'm saying this for myself, when I see my kids and I look at them, I'm not thinking about how God might be using them and all those things, especially when they're little. But they grow up and and God uses them and we can experience the presence of God in these other people. Think of Jessica Brady. Jessica was the first child born in this church and now she leads us in worship and is one of our elders. Ben Hurst, when I first came here, was in the youth group. 
got in trouble a couple times. Uh, now he's leading our youth. He helped start our dinner church. He's got a master's in divinity. He's married. He's got a son. How does God show up in unexpected ways, in the mundane ways, in the people we are encountering all the time? Are we looking for it? Just the other day, I had um, our furnace hasn't been working great. And our thermostat and our furnace are not speaking the same language, clearly. Um, and uh, when it's cold and wet, you really want that to happen. And so my wife scheduled an opportunity for this guy to come out, which, of course, they'll say, oh, yeah, he's coming today anywhere between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., which is so convenient. And we're going to call you with a 15-minute window. So you're going to be having a wasted day today because every time you try to do something, you're worried about it. So I'm not looking forward to this. This is not fun time for me. And then, of course, I get this text. And it was kind of unique because the text came saying, your technician will be there in the next 30 minutes. And it actually had a picture and a little bio of the person, which was kind of interesting. But he looked like he was 10. <laughs> and, and none of his bio had anything to do with furnace stuff. It was like... When I retire, I want to go to the Galapagos Islands and all these things. And I was like, how is this helpful to me? Um, and, uh, but it did say one thing that was interesting. It said that he wants to go to Tokyo um, because he likes this kind of um, race cars that my son's actually really into. Super random. Uh, so sure enough, he shows up and I open the door and again, I'm immediately coming up with my assumptions about this person. He was the most friendly person. And as I take him down, we start having these conversations. Uh, again, not what I wanted to be doing. But I mentioned, I was like, hey, I saw your bio. Have you been doing this very long? Because he looked like he's never done this before. And he's like, oh, actually, yeah. Uh, third generation family's been doing this. And... Um, I grew up around this my whole life, and he knew a ton. I was, it was crazy. I mean, he immediately looked at our furnace, um, and he's like, oh, that's the blah, blah, blah from 1971. I'm surprised it's still working. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, uh, like he, he surprised me, right? So then I tried to bring up conversation about these car things and all the stuff that my son's really into. We had this great conversation. So what was supposed to be this 20-minute just assessment, figure out the wires, give you an estimate thing. He was here for over an hour. And in the process, he asked me what I do for a living, uh, which typically if you tell someone you're a pastor, you either get a really great response or it's like you have COVID and you're highly contagious. <laughs> and uh, you run. Um, he didn't run. He was interested. He started asking questions. I invited him to Christmas Eve. We'll see if he comes. But God took an opportunity, a situation, a mundane thing. I had zero interest, desire. I was not expecting God to show up at all. And in the midst of it, I felt the Spirit with me. I felt an opportunity to share. I got to testify to God in my life. I got to invite this person to our service. No big deal. But it was just a great example of, like, of all the places I was not entering it ever thinking God would be present, let alone giving me an opportunity to testify to who he is in my life. And so I wonder how often we miss God showing up in our daily routine because we don't expect God to do so. 
Are we able to live with expectancy of encountering Jesus in our homes and in our workplaces and in our hobbies and while we're driving our cars and while we're in public transportation or while we're in the grocery store or while we're waiting at the DMV? That would be unexpected, right? Or the coffee shop. Could we really expect God to show up in those places? So with that, do you live with the expectation that God shows up in the everyday people and places of life? How often do you find yourself open to God arriving in your daily activities and encounters? You see, I truly believe that God is speaking to us today and wants us to know that we're not alone. To be encouraged and reminded that the arrival of God with us shows us how Jesus came at an unexpected time through unexpected people in an unexpected place, bringing God's unexpected love. And it invites us to open ourselves up to experience more of God with us in our own unexpected stories. I want to share something uh, uh, this morning person from our congregation had a picture that they had and it was the this picture of a bubbling spring and it says it's joy it's bubbling up this spring and we're invited to partake in the spring but we have to take that step it's perfect joy that's present no matter your circumstances a joy that brings wholeness and wellness and the word says bend down partake My joy is here for you, all of you. I wonder if God is saying the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, is the gift of faithful presence. But we need to be aware of it. We need to dive in. We need to participate and experience it. And when we do, it brings us joy. And so, in whatever place you might be in this morning, be it a distant place, a really difficult place, or in the midst of of just the mundane, just feels like life is just kind of flat. May you know and experience the faithful presence of Emmanuel, God, with us. And may you see the light that has come into the darkness. And may you grow in hope, peace, joy, and love. And may you share the gift of the God who is with us, with others. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and as they do, they're going to give us a little space to reflect by playing instrumentally, um, just to ponder what we've learned. And um, I'd love to give you a couple questions as application or just thoughts, um, just to see how this is all engaging with you. And if you'd be willing to do so, that'd be fantastic. Those of you who are present, you'll find a connection card on your seat. Um, You could use that. Those of you who are online, um, you could use the link for the online connection card to do so. And um, if you do one or multiple of these questions, that would be fantastic. Question number one is this. As you think of God showing up in the distant places, are you willing to go to God? Number two, as you think of God showing up in the difficult places, are you willing to accept the unexpected way and form God might be showing up to you in the midst of that difficult place? It might not be in the way you want God to show up. Number three, as you think of God showing up in the daily mundane places, are you willing to be watchful, sensitive, and open to God in the unexpected, trivial moments? And finally, 
which of these do you think is the most challenging for you? And how might God be inviting you to more of his faithful presence? So again, I'd love to hear your thoughts, whether you pick one or multiple of these. If you just have something totally different you want to share with us about the series, we'd love to hear from you. Free, feel free to use this space, though, um, to pray, to confess, to own, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled, um, to dream, whatever you feel called to in this time. I also want you to note that our prayer team is available and back. If you're here um, present, you can just come right up. If you're online, the prayer app is live, and all you have to do is hit the request prayer button to the left of the chat line, um, and they would love to pray with you in the order in which it's received. Know that they're juggling in person and online, so um, just be patient if they're praying with someone online. Those of you here, if you could wait, and vice versa if you're online, just know they'll get to you after they're praying with whoever's there first. Uh, I'm going to close our time with prayer. Brian will give us some space to reflect, and then we're going to close with one last song of response. Let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your peace. And today we thank you for your joy. And we thank you that all of these things that we experience at Advent are directly tied to you being with us. Emmanuel. That the way we are experiencing expected to engage with you is in your presence and so god we ask that you would help us to experience more of your presence and that we would we would get into that bubbling brook that we would experience you with us in those distant places in the really difficult places in the really mundane places in unexpected ways We want to know you more. We want to connect with you more. And we want others to experience that as well. And so, God, as we experience the goodness of your grace, your presence as close as our very breath, help us to share the joy that comes from that with others. We love you and just ask that you would come. Be with us more and more. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.